This week's episode is brought to you by Bikini Bottom Twitter. SpongeBob SquarePants had an impact on all of our lives growing up, and we will miss Stefan Hillenberg a lot. He will live on through the memes. Bikini Bottom Twitter. What do you normally do when I'm done? Wait for you to get back. R.I.P. Stephen. The podcast with the weirdest named host and the least amount of production values. I'm Atlas. And I'm Matt. I'm Root Beer. See? And uh, so today we are here to talk about the prize support that Boucherot offers for their Vanguard tournaments. And I don't I'm sorry. Think... What are you talking about? Uh, nothing? It's nothing. They give us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But the events are free. Yes, the events are free. Um, yes, like much like sit and sleep. If uh, they can't be an advertised price, their events are free. Um, so I wanted to take a look at what exactly you know other games do with their prize support because Vanguard is not the only uh, trading card game, despite what the anime will tell you, and. Uh, yeah. So. So Vanguard prize support is pretty ass, even at not Vanguard, or even at not Bushiroad events. Well, like so Bushiroad Bush events have negative prize support, right? Like you, you get give up us five bucks and we kick you in the shins. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you didn't pay them five bucks, right? You have to, but worse, you have to like pay for parking usually at some convention center. Yeah. Or worse, you have to buy entry to some ex con- uh, anime convention. Yeah. And then, like, you go to this free Booster Road event, play in your tournament, get no prize, because unless you get first, and then you get invite to Worlds, right? Well, they give or invite you, to Continentals or whatever. They give you, a like, a deck box and a promo, and that's about Sometimes. it. If yeah, you're top eight, like, you get a mat. That's true. Yeah, but that's, like, not a real prize, right? Nope. Like, yeah, who doesn't have a pile of playmats laying around? If they, they they give you a grumpy math major as your uh, prize for top eight, that's the worst <laughs> prize ever. Yeah, thank goodness not me. <laughs> but, like, you look at other card games, right? And, like, Magic gives cash prize at their events. Do tell. What, uh, how How is this broken down exactly? So, like, at a GP, at a large enough GP first place, we get, like, 10,000 bucks. Dang. So you can make a living anyway, doing this? So, not really. So it's too infrequent that you can, like, win events constantly in Magic because people are very good. And, like, events are very large, and there's a lot of variants, right? So, like, it's pretty infrequent that you can just win a bunch of events. So people typically make a living off Magic, end quote, by writing articles. That's something. For, like, big websites like Channel Fireball or, you know, TCG Player or something of the sort, right? Mm-hmm. So, like... There are professional magic players, but they usually make a living doing that. Um, with that being said, I think magic prize support is pretty small compared to how popular the game is. Like, they could stand GP payouts to be a lot higher, and they just don't. Well, how, how much is entry fee for GP? That's, that is the major issue, is that GP entry fees are skyrocketing. Oh. As in, they're, like, getting up to 100 bucks. Oh, man. Yeah, for, like, constructed GPs. Like you, you have to bring your deck and pay a hundred bucks. Oh, okay. Which is insane. 
So <laughs> I'm not even getting like six booster packs and you know paying hundred bucks. I'm just getting and playing with like a sealed deck. I'm just actually bringing a deck and paying hundred extra dollars. So just like huge, huge entry fees. And how big do these tournaments get usually? Uh, several thousand. Wow. And like the end, like for me, like I, I can go to like it makes it hard to go to GPs very often at all, right? Because like the entry fee is so high. Like I just don't like I just it's hard for me. Like I'm not I don't have a lot of money. And it's like hard for me to say, hey, let's just go to this GP and pay hundred dollars for entry fee. Hotel is who knows how much, right? Oh, that's another thing. If yeah, you, if it's you had to like Jesus it. Christ. Yeah, it's like well, it, I'm not prizing probably, and then GG, we're dead. Oh, cool, I lost a whole bunch of money, and like it's just not worth it. Like the GP weekends are fun, sure, but they're very expensive. And it makes it hard for a lot of people to go continuously. So, like, maybe I go to, like, one GP a year. And, like, when it's, like, local. So, I think it could stand that, GP, like, GP costs are, like, are like a huge, huge issue in the Magic community. And they have been talking about for a very long time. And nothing, of course, has been done. So. Is this, like, a decades-long problem? or? Uh, so, GPs didn't used to be this big. There was definitely a time when GPs were only a few hundred people. And or, like, or like maybe like several hundred. Mm-hmm. And it's just like in the recent years, GPs have just exploded in size and the price of board has not gone up at all. So, in fact, they just like scaled down price support. Oh. And everyone's like rolling their eyes about it. Yeah, it's like real stupid. <sighs> so, there's that. So, Magic price support, while being a lot better than Vanguard, is still not fantastic. Well, it's it's like not fantastic for the size of what Magic is. Which is... But they do give you cash, which is unlike most other, which is unlike most other games. Yeah, Pokemon price support is pretty solid. They give just booster packs, but they pay out real far. Oh, the booster and packs. Like, too? Uh, booster packs. Yeah, they just give booster packs wherever the latest set is. No, I'm saying, do you said the booster packs pay out real far? Is in like. Yeah, like, you can get, like, a pretty low place and still get a bunch of booster packs. Oh, oh, that's what you mean by pay out. I thought you meant, like, the cards in the booster packs were worth... No, no, no. Uh... Probably not. Booster packs, you know, booster packs are booster packs. But there's definitely people who made, like... Like, people were posting from, like, the Latin American, like, international championship, which, of course, like, a super large event, right? Like, super high-profile event that has, like... You know, a a lot of stuff to get to. But, like, people were definitely posting, like like... I think I saw some top 32s, and they had, like, 10 boxes sitting around. 10 boxes? 10 boxes. Dang. And, like, you know, people may, would make, like, top 64 and have, like, a box. That is pretty far. Yeah, and, and the entry fee at these events, at, like, Pokemon Regionals are, like, 40 bucks. That's not that bad. Which is definitely, like, a lot less than a Magic event. And, like, you know, Pokemon events are, like, pretty st- still pretty competitive. So... Uh, Pokemon pricing is like pretty interesting, and they, so they give out a whole lot of product, right? And since they're giving out a whole lot of product, people are opening a lot of product. I mean, the singles market is like in existence. Like you look at a game like Buddy Fight, where the singles market just doesn't exist. Yeah. Because Bushiroad just doesn't print enough. It gets bought out, and then like people just can't buy cards and people can't play the game. 
Like it's, it seems like the buddy fight scene in the U.S. just kind of doesn't really exist compared to like Europe or Japan. Um, I think other places have the same problem where they just don't have cards to buy. Like people just can't get into the game because the cards are just aren't there. Like Bushiro doesn't print enough in order for that game to grow. Oh, this also happens like every set. They'll have the initial wave. People will buy it out because their favorite clan is in it. Or, you know, it's like AL4 where you have, like, a clan that's super competitive in Murakumo and mm-hmm. then Shadow Paladin, which is hyped. It gets bought out, and then there's this kind of drought almost where the prices will spike a little bit and it'll drop back down when they finally release a second wave. But this happens every no, no, single but, time. But for Vanguard, the cards still exist. Yeah. For Buddy Fight, they just don't. Oh, like, there's just nowhere to buy there's them, just like, no in cards. stores or anything? There's just no cards to buy. Oh. Like... It's like, I definitely have thought about getting the Butterfly at like one point in my life, and I just couldn't find cards to buy, and I was like, nope. Because I was like, if I can't buy singles, I'm not playing the game. It's a good philosophy. If I can't buy the cards, I'm not going to... Like, I'm not buying cards. sealed product until I get a deck I want. Oh, yeah, That's dumb as fuck. I'm just going to... So, I'm, like, if I'm getting into a card, not a new card game, I'm going to buy a, a good deck and learn it, and then decide if that's a deck I want to continue playing. Like, I'm not going to learn the game a game from a stupid... Like, I'm going to decide if I like the game by watching it be played, right? Or, like, borrowing somebody's deck and playing it. I'm not going to learn the game from a TD, ever. Not even once. Like, I learned Magic that way, but, like, that was also... Well, that was also, like, a new game. Like, I was very young. But I think now I've played enough card games where I don't need to do that. So... I'm just going to learn from playing a good deck. Well, Magic almost seems too big to fail, so do you think that this, uh, like, high barrier of entry for uh, bigger tournaments is going to continue being an epidemic? No, Magic is still growing. Oh. Like, that, it's not hurting Magic at all. Or it's not hurting Wizards at all. It's hurting only people who want to go to GVs. That's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> So, there's that. But, um, I don't know how Yu-Gi-Oh! pricing works, but I heard from a lot of stories from friends. So, a lot of, like, random Best Buy shit being given away. <laughs> like, you know, PS4, or PS3s, PS4s, Xbox 360s, whatever, you know. iPads, laptops, whatever. Like, I've seen some wacky-ass Yu-Gi-Oh! prize payouts of just, like, Best... It's like, you know, like, Best Buy shit. Back when I was doing it, it was usually either like a smaller smaller amount of cash with like a lower barrier of entry or like a box or something we didn't really yeah. have the like they started doing the best buy the best buy prize support um like near the end of my tenure so like about 6 years ago or so that started pe- like you know peaking in i guess <laughs> best buy prize support is like real funny to me why just like you it's just so like there's a notorious gp in magic that happened in J- in Germany, I believe, where there's like no gambling laws. Oh, so how they did, ha- how they- did they word that then? Well, so Ma- Ma- Magic tournament was considered gambling, yeah. so they couldn't give out cash prize. So basically, they just converted all the cash prize to like random shit at Best Buy. It ended <laughs> up being called GP Best Buy, <laughs> just because like people were getting like TVs and like laptops and whatever. 
<laughs> At least it's still a functional item that you can use or sell for money. Right. It's just but, so funny. But like, what if what if it, they just kept going with that, where it was just more and more cumbersome things to deal with? Like, oh, yeah, oh, like imagine you travel to that GP, right, and you just end up with a bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. First prize of today's tournament is a four hundred one k. What with, with with European plugs, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Actually All right. amazing. Alright guys, Russian Order Bride, today's first <laughs> How does that even work? Well she has her own autonomy. She doesn't necessarily have to go with you, it's just I guess it's more in spirit only. You know what? Forget it. This this is dumb. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is whatever you're doing is a bad metaphor. So Oh no, I was still in the joke, so that <laughs> I, I would like to see Vanguard give more See, the problem with, like, sealed product as prize is, like, it's usually used to kind of, like, insert more cards into the game. Yeah. But Vanguard doesn't necessarily need to do that. Well, at this point, it doesn't with the, with the reboot going on. I don't know. It feels bad playing for nothing, I guess. Like, there's no stakes to play for. Like, there's no reason to stay in events when you've already made lost top eight cut. Like, it yeah. feels kind of bleh. I think yeah. the... So in my, in my locals, it's first, second, and third. First place, and you, you get packs, but first place can convert their uh, packs into store credit. Which, which you should always do. Which is what my friend Vince and I have been doing, because he, he's interested in Angel Feather stuff. I've just been doing it so I don't have to actually pay for tournament entries, and also when Answer of Truth comes out in English. But, uh, yeah, it, it's... I think that does give at least the local level something to shoot for uh, with the, you know, like, okay, I can use this for store credit for future stuff. It's not necessarily something I might not want now. And I can understand that local stores don't necessarily want to just give cash out. That, uh, that Sure. Yeah, that, well, A is, A is probably gambling, but B, it's bad for their overhead and stuff like that. At the same time, uh, something is happening this week at my local tournament. They are having uh, – it's a $10 entry fee. You get two packs of Psyqualia Strife, which is whatever, but first place gets a digital copy of the new Super Smash Bros. This is not Bushiro's I would want to win just so other people can't have it. <laughs> that is that's probably the most Matt thing I've heard you say <laughs> well I, I'm preventing somebody from playing Smash I'm doing the world a favor I'm doing this person a favor there's a very Costanza reason to <laughs> <laughs> they don't know it but I'm doing them a favor I mean I, I like Smash Bros so you can eat me but I don't own a Switch so it would mostly just be for I also don't own a Switch so yeah. it'd be really funny Yeah, I would, I would probably but make just sure you win just make sure you win, just so you can't claim it. And be like, well, what if I want to get a Switch? Well, I don't have to tell anybody that. Nobody knows I don't own a Switch except for Vince, so. Oh, you're going to get called out immediately. Well, okay, there's a few things I can do with it. I can either A, sell it, B, give it to my friend Sophie, who's also entering with us and needs a uh, Christmas present for her brother. So, I could do that. That one's spicy. Yeah. Or... C, I could keep it, get the Switch, and play with... Look, that has nothing to do with what I was trying to <laughs> go after. The point is that I find this an interesting way for people, uh, like Vanguard players to get the prize support they want, which is at the local level. 
Right. And I think I've seen locals with fine prize support. Like my Magic uh, F&M has solid prize support. Like I basically get $20, $25 of store credit a week. There you go. Paying five, so I'm getting 15 to 20 a week, which is fine. Yeah. And I'm... I'm just free rolling it. Like I've paid for entry, and I don't even know how long. Yeah, me, me too. I, I usually win about like once every six weeks, and that usually carries me to the next win. Yep. Otherwise, I usually end up in like the top four somewhere. Yep. And it's just like, is my local so- is my locals for Magic Soft probably? But it's like, it's still fun. So I'm always gonna play Magic there. But I wonder what the potential for this could be where in, like, if if you get enough people to pony up, maybe you can uh, do more, like, you know, gift cards to places if you get the, like, a local business to maybe sponsor or something. Um, I don't know. Like, if you want, you can do kind of special events just to kind of, like, like, tournaments, really the purpose of a tournament or a locals is to get people in your store. Yeah. So, like, if the locals is popular, you can start doing more crazy things than if the locals is just like twelve people. If that makes sense. Ours is usually anywhere between like ten to twenty-five, depending on the week. Right. Well, my magic F and M's. We have like two different F and M's, like thirty people. Okay, so you have a bigger. Uh... We have like a standard of thirty people and a moderate of thirty people. Yeah, okay. So, like. Because it's magic and people will show up for magic, it's like a bigger deal, right? Yeah. Or like for Vanguard, like it's so hard. It's like, Vanguard players I notice are just like sometimes they just don't show up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really annoying. It kind of reminds um, me of so I I I do stand up comedy and a lot of open mics that I go to just to practice. That's what it is. people will go do their set and then leave immediately after doing their set, and then everyone kind of never gains anything out of it because you're more or less playing to an empty or disinterested room, which doesn't help you get better. It's just kind of like a a sample size in the wrong context. Right. The the idea is that if like if you go to a mic where people stay like at least stay like one or two past when you go up and support the comic after you, then everyone gets better, and it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. The same applies to Vanguard tournaments, where, it, you know, if you if you show up to them and play, it, 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 you know, it gets more interesting, and maybe you get more things like this Smash Bros. tournament, or, you know, your 30-plus person thing with Magic, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is, uh, you get out of it what you put into it. And uh, yep. I will return to my whittling on the back porch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Van- like Vanguard Prize Sport, like at the Boucher level, obviously it's like never going to improve. But like at the local level, can improve by people you know consistently showing up and wanting bigger events like yeah. ARG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like getting ARGs at your local store or something. I'm sure they have like a tournament kit or something. I'm not sure how it works, but I'm sure that's, um, that everyone does a freaking tournament kit nowadays. Uh, the thing is that ARG for the most part is like Midwest to East Coast, and like, right. and every time they they decide to try it out here, they don't tell anybody, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we tried it last week, and nobody was there." I'm like, "Well, I didn't fucking know about this. I would have come." Yeah, advertising is, uh, you know, I think tell people about events. Yeah, you know, spread the word. So, 
all around the world. Sometimes, sometimes you and your crew have to show up to some other card shop and beat down their tournament. You know, whatever. It's fine. Or get your ass kicked, depending who you go with. <laughs> Basically. It's weird. So, stores, I found that, like, game stores don't do, do can can do really well if, like, if they have, like, tournaments on separate days. Like, I've definitely, when I was living in Knoxville, there was just, like, a Magic tournament on, like, four different days of the week. Oh. So, like, you could just, like, go almost every, like, almost every day. My, my because, locals like, has, them on, would... has tournaments on for Vanguard on Sunday and Monday. Yeah, they, they, but you could just, they would just, like, have, like, different things going on every day so you could, like, pick a place. It was, like, really funny. Well, that was nice. I mean, it, also, if, if you're, like... One, well, there's no reason to like, like directly compete, right? Oh, like have pe- like different stores doing the same tournament on different days, or on the same day, right? Then you're like directly fighting another store, okay. and then you're, now people are going to pick, and you're going to split and see what happens, right? Yeah. But if you just pick a day that nobody else picked, and you're like, okay, cool, thanks, you get your day, right? But you know, it's it's all their call. But you know, it was, it was, inter- it was interesting for us because we could just play more Magic. Always the time. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't contain uh, myself anymore. <laughs> okay. It would be but I made it twenty minutes. All right. I did what I could. We finished our first topic. Sure. Sure. Uh, th- th- there was a card revealed uh, this morning or last night on the stream. Uh, Pentagonal. Shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> Pentagonal Maze uh, is the the VR for the Miyagi High School Academy set. For Oracle Think Tank, it's a grade 3, 12k protect gift. So, on Vanguard Circle, trigger effects revealed by your drive check gets plus 5k extra for power increase. So your triggers do 15k um, on your turn, obviously. And then also, when it attacks, you can Soul Blast a grade 3 and discard 5 cards from your hand. And this unit gets drive plus 3 until the end of that battle. Discard Discarding cards from your hand for this cost is reduced for each rear guard with Magus in its card name in your front row. Oh my god, you guys, there's a card with 5 drive checks. The game is going to end. No! Don't you just want to quintuple crit some guy, though? I think you have a better chance doing that with Himiko than you do with this. Yeah, but just imagine. Well... That'd be so sweet. Okay. If only there was a way you could get extra drive checks by, like, restanding your vanguard or something. Yeah. I know, right? Okay, All right, so... so this card is, uh, this card is something. Uh, everyone is losing their collective shit online right now. I think this card is good. Yeah. Five drive checks is a lot. Yeah. I mean... See, that's the thing, is, like... After what I just said, I don't think this is any more absurd than, like, a restander or, yeah, a restander, basically. Or something like, what's-his-face, Mystery Flare. Especially when when it has a base discard 5 cost, and at most you'll mitigate it to 3. Which basically makes it so you just, it's just like... You net zero your loss. Exactly. Like, this is not any different from a restander. It's just... All right. Like, I think this card is similar to Deer. Yeah. I know that cost is cheaper, and I know that it makes triggers cost more, but hear me out. I think on five checks, you're on average going to get about two triggers. Especially yeah. if you, like, did some shrine with the Magus stuff that has been revealed so far. And, like, from what we've seen so far, there's no way to manipulate more than two cards at a time. Right. 
you're never going to be stacking like five tr even with the cards that let you put critical triggers back on top of the deck that's three criticals at most that and you're you not filtering down the bottom of your deck fast enough in any real form mm -hmm. so too. i think on average i'm gonna about two triggers which is about the same as deer yeah like deer can miss whatever but and it but it probably is almost always gonna hit two or near close to always hit two right seems like the mm -hmm. guy at my locals who plays ott always gets one or zero he's a very unlucky man I'll get correct. Well, I, I guess uh, <laughs> you're almost always, you should almost always. I, I feel like you should almost always get one, and like two should be reasonable. But like this card, you're you're more than likely going to hit two two triggers on it. Maybe not all crits, of course, because you can only play eight. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I think uh, if you're not playing Magus, like Magus grade twos, this card gets a little worse. Yeah, like a lot worse. I, yeah, I, I this card. Like discard five for five drive checks is pretty brutal. Yeah, that's just like your hand uh, isn't increasing in any way, and then yeah, I mean, I guess you can discard protect gifts. That'd be sweet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is a thing yeah. you can do. Yes, uh, like uh, our our you know fellow Nexus person and friend of the pod, and I say that loosely because he makes fun of this on a regular basis. Uh, Gabe. Put together a very neat and tidy pros and cons list so everyone can shut the fuck up about this already. All right. Pros. Uh, you can get a theoretical maximum of plus 75k if you rip five triggers. Uh, you only have to soul blast one grade three for the cost. Uh, it acts as the protect finisher in place of the deer so you can run more ones and twos. Or also, you know, CEO Imperial for more consistency if you wish to. Uh, can be used in non-Magus builds if you really want to, no counterblast cost, and virtually sculpts your hand so you can discard what you don't want and hopefully get what you do. Cons, and this is longer, I might add, uh, still is, like you said, Rupir, a firm wash at best and a minus two at worst. Uh, the continuous skill for adding 5k to your triggers is only offensive, so you can't use that defensively. Requires... This card is a terrible first ride. Yeah, uh, Requires either tons of sack or tons of setup. Even if you use setup cards like Rectangle and Tetramagus, uh, requires them to actually see triggers on the top of your deck before drive checking them, since blanking is possible. Uh, pretty much locked to Magus builds, although, like we said before, you can use it outside of that if you want to. Uh, if the rest of the support is mediocre, you'll be forced to run subpar cards and only to make her in order to make her operate on all cylinders. Does not help OTT's issue against Murakumo does not help OTT's issue against other Protect clans, so the large numbers can be made irrelevant due to Protect gifts, actual yeah. PGs, and Magatsu. And this card is slow. Like, you need a great... This is your second ride, and we've already seen from Murakumo and Neo Nectar that OTT is very susceptible to rush. Yeah, you ain't got the fucking time like, to make this work. Overall, even, 6 out of 10. Like, even in the garbage times of... Nova Grappler and Aqua Force being the only Excel clans, they could easily beat OTT. Like, you just cannot afford to get rushed as OTT because you didn't gain advantage fast enough. But you don't really start getting to get going until you hit grade three for the first time, in which is very slow against decks that play aggressively starting grade two. Just win the die roll, get a trigger on damage, easy. What's your problem is? Well, uh, James from our uh, 
from I forgot which episode it is at this point. Everything runs together. I'm a terrible host. Uh, he said that uh, with all, with this kind of mages stuff, is it better for decks to you know up their strengths or fix their weaknesses in order to become better? I think if you fix OTT's weaknesses, you're really creating a huge issue. Yeah. So it's yes. really hard to do that. But I think I wanted to make one last comment about this card. It's really hard to not play Imperial Daughter. Imperial Daughter, the on-ride costing a counterblast was kind of obnoxious, but her on-ride is very strong. Mm-hmm. Like, just gets cards. Can see extra, can, you know, guarantee triggers if you wish. Like, can just do a lot. Also guarantees and, the crit. Oh, right? Mm-hmm. Right over the three. And, like, you need a three that's good on the first ride. You need... Uh, uh, the big thing about V, like, standard Vanguard is you need many, uh, good rides. And not just one. Like, it's it'd be it'd be nice to have many good rides. OTC kind of broke that mold in the sense of, like, they had one solid first ride, but their second rides were just really absurd. Yeah. And they could gain a lot of advantage on grade three. But... If you you can't play like Imperial Daughter and Pentagonal Magus, right? Because then your first ride does literally nothing except gain a protect gift and like maybe look at a card. Or you get a or if you ride um Imperial Daughter first, you at least get a card in your hand. Mm-hmm. But... Which is like better than riding um what's her name first? Pentagonal first. Yeah. Which just negates your ride minus, which is mm-hmm. fine, but not great. Uh, I, I hear what people are going to be doing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this root beer, is uh, Hexagonal Magus just replaces Amaterasu. Mm, for if you want to run Pentagonal, yes, because you need that Magus name to make her not suck. Oh. So are you just going to, like, keep the same grade 3 lineup so far? or? Well, see, that's the thing. is like I have an attachment to Magus because they were my first deck, so... Oh. If I was building a full Magus deck with Pentagonal, I would also use Hexagonal for the name. Like, I think she's a different version of Amaterasu. I think Amaterasu is more consistent because it's anytime you look at your deck versus drive-checking a trigger unit. Yeah. And then her act ability can be used at any time versus just on play. So... I think Amaterasu is still a better general card, but Hexagonal is good for the Magus build because of the name. Kind of a hot name. Yeah. Hmm. I can agree with that. I see a lot of a lot of people in my locals are like, "Well, this is before they revealed Pentagonal, but Hexagonal." They went, "Okay, oh, Amaterasu's gone. I'm doing Imperial and." Well. Really? Yeah. Like, with Nar- uh, Nubatama, or not, not Nubatama, Mur- with Murakumo and Neonectar coming up, that's, like, I mean, okay. Like, the one advantage that Hexagonal has is that you look at the cards first and then draw versus drawing and then looking at your cards. Right. So you have better control over what you're getting, but I think... Like, in the meta that we're about to get with... Well, we have Murakuma already, and we're about to get Neo Nectar. I think Amaterasu is just more consistent against them, because if you end up getting locked to Amaterasu, you can consistently gain cards. Also, 
Um, one thing to note about Amaterasu, and we, we obviously don't know that these kinds of cards might exist, but um, if they ever print a, um, like a card that has like an ability on Guard Circle, look at the top of your deck. Mm-hmm. This is like a super huge deal, right? Oh, because is Amaterasu yeah. only during your turn? Or oh, I'm checking now. Yeah. I want to say that it is. In the case, yeah. Oh yeah, during your turn. My apologies. Yeah. yeah. That'd be so nuts. Like, Holy shit. But it, yeah, it, but it, if you were to want to use the Magus, like the grade twos and all of the lower grades with Amaterasu, I think that would actually be better than hexagonal because you're going to gain a lot more power from all the times you look at your deck. Oh, that's mm-hmm. true. It's just more deck looking, so you get like this big fat beat stick. <laughs> this is the new um what's his face? Skull Dragon <laughs> for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in a general sense, Amaterasu is still better, especially with what we're getting, but for Magus, yeah, name. Also, you guys got Counter Charge out of it, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, we already had Counter Charge. No, but just like another. Uh, so, yeah. when Grade 1 or a Crescent Magus, when put into Trigger Zone, if you have a Grade 3 or Greater Vanguard, Soul Blast and Counter Charge. Yeah. You know what sucks about um, Tetra Magus? What? You can't just stack five crits on top of your deck. <laughs> That would be nice. Yeah, because you have to draw. And you, and you can't even do what? it with... Wait, wait. You could, you could like, try to. If you... Someone had a theory where if <laughs> no. you combine it with... Um... No. No, you can only get, like, two still. Because all yeah. of them will only look at top two. So you could only stack, like, two to three at the most. That sounds like it could be pretty worth, though. I mean, Because yeah. then like, you get three more drive checks to try to hit another one. Mm-hmm. If you get three, that's like a super huge deal. Plus 45k and a crit on each thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or double up or whatever it is you want to do. I'm not saying that Pentadonal Magus is bad by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that stop People are out. overreacting. Yes. <laughs> like, I did not look at this and think that it was immediately broken just because it said discard five cards. Whoa. I think it was more about the game. That was my favorite part, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this card is strong. Like, it is a good card, and in the context of the Magus deck, it's probably going to be cool, because you can easily stack two to three critical triggers on top with your five drive checks. But it's not going to be the end of the world. Like James has said, it doesn't really fix any of our problems. And our friend group is freaking out because the OTT card revealed tonight is a grade 3 searcher, and I'm just like, okay, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm still going to have to ride her second, so that's a whole turn you have to try and kill me. Especially if you're using a fast-paced rush deck. Alright, so check this out. What you can do is, is you can call Tetramagus, right? Mm-hmm. Draw a card, put a crit from your hand into play. Or on top of your deck. You can move it to the bottom and do it again. And just keep shoving crits back in your deck. No problem. So you, you basically just pull, do the Suki only thing. Yeah, except you just you, just, and you just try to shuffle your deck somehow and you just don't know where they are. Easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could potentially stack like four if for some reason your opponent can't read and let Stellar or Magus hit. Nice. I think this is pretty unreasonable, but really funny. It It is probably going to be my goal. I'm really sad to Stellar Magus is not hit, though. She was my favorite Magus card for a long time. Right? 
Still in a this being the grade two. During battle, yeah. boosted gets 2k. Cool. That's nice. You can hit Yeah, a, this is a pretty weird kind of card. And when it hits a Vanguard, you may put a card from a hand on top of your deck. Huh. I mean, I have a fondness for this card from the old version, which was just like, on attack, counter blast one, guess your top card. If you get it right, you add it to your hand. If you get it wrong, you just put it back at counter charge. Yeah, that is funny. Like, she was just a free guess to get the more important Magus effects off. And then you got... No, that's not true. You name something stupid. I'm gonna be a fucking psychic bird every time. And then you pack <laughs> a vanguard. And you're like, hmm. What what's on top of my deck? Shit was dumb. Do you remember, the, we did an episode, like, a long time ago called How to Read a Steel. I'm pretty sure this just turned into How to Read a Steel Volume 2, because, <laughs> uh... Oh, but five drive checks, Atlas. <sighs> five. Count them. Five. You can't even count that high. I need to start drinking during this show. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bottle of water next to me. Not good enough. I need to start bringing a flask. I'm in my house. I can, I can drink. I have a Coke house. Zero, which, by the way, is the greatest um, soda ever. Don't no, so Coke no, Zero. no. Dr Pepper. Objectively, it is Dr Pepper. Inc. You're still wrong. Actually, what? you're t- Dr Pepper's not even number two. It's been around right. longer so, than Coke, and it's still here. All right. Here is here is here is the the number one soda ever is Coke Zero. Coke Zero Sugar, the new one. It's so good. Number two is Diet Dr Pepper. No, that shit is <laughs> that shit is lit. If I'm going to be poisoning myself, I'd rather not have it be my liver. I want my pancreas taking all of the... I just want... Look, I'm just looking for ways to die. I don't need it to be any specific way. Next anyway. is night, the Death Wish podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying that Coke Zero is the best soda on the market. You're wrong. What... I'm not wrong. I'm actually correct. <laughs> sure. Look, this is, just, this is just how it is. You can be wrong. You can have a wrong opinion, but... <laughs> And it apparently it's thinking that Dr. Pepper is the best soda when it is clearly outclassed by Coke Zero Sugar. Oh no, a wrong, a wrong opinion is that Pentagonal Magus is going to somehow be the end of days. Um, no, that that was pre-eroded dust. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that I one mean, was going to just be the end of days. It was. That, 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 I think that was the appropriate reaction to, to pre-eroded dust, actually. Oh yeah, of course. We have the whole episode Although I still it. remember the people who were like, no, it's fine, guys. Everyone was like, yeah, you just never have to be at five damage ever. <laughs> yeah, right. And this is why like, you study history. Look at these idiots. All right. I mean, in, a, in terms I of our friend group, the guy that said dust was fine is complaining about all this OTT support. Well, he's not. Uh, you know what? I'm not. To be fair, he's not even like he. You can't use him as like uh, a. A, me- a metric to say what a reasonable reaction is. <laughs> if that's if that's fair. We all know why. Yeah. And, and nobody knows this person, so we shouldn't probably not keep keep on this too long. Yeah. Alright. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about prize support. Boucherette's probably not going to do it do it for yourself, or... I would love to see, I would love to see more prize support for Boucherette. Even if it's just like sweet ass promos yeah like, imagine if like you know you get top 64 in an event you get a sweet ass fucking 
gold stamped super sweet VR of your clan. That'd be cool. Or um, maybe it'd, it'd be weird if like let if you won, you could do like an image rare, but of yourself, and they make it. That'd be oh crazy. god, no. never, no, please, no. no, no, no. I mean, you can. Do you that. want it to be sellable, Atlas? All right. Like Lightsworn Minerva. Oh yeah, that was a great idea. Yeah, James was telling me about it. Or like, I, I was gone by that point, but I remember being like, "Oh, there's a two hundred dollar promo that you kind of need to make the deck good." It's only two hundred. At, at like at the peak of its. Oh no! It was like two thousand. Two thousand! Holy shit! You forgot a zero. Oh uh, yeah, I guess I did. And it was the only. And it was the only way that uh, lights weren't even worked, and it still wasn't super great. That's always fun, trying to explain to... So how much is it to get into the game? Oh, you want to play Lightsworn? Yeah, sorry, mate. It's going to be uh, a mortgage payment on your house. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Lightsworn. I don't like decks that lose themselves. You don't like decks that what? That mill themselves? Lose to, them, lose to themselves. Oh, yeah. And then, and then I, I shed a single tear for Great Nature, I guess. <laughs> Look, man. Great nature is like pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. Um, yeah, so we we hope we gave you some ideas to, you know, maybe get it going in your in your local neighborhood or at least. Yeah, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to finish my Pokemon deck. Sure. I I don't mean you specifically. I mean the listener. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Anyway, uh, also rest in, rest in peace to the creator of SpongeBob. Yes, uh, yes. Today's recording: uh, Stefan Hillenberg died. Uh, he was fifty-seven, and he died of ALS, which is the same. That's a shitty way to go. It is. It's the same disease that Stephen Hawking had. Um, SpongeBob was was basically half of my entire childhood. The other half being Avatar: The Last Airbender. In our generation, who who like, but in our entire generation, SpongeBob is like. A, a keystone, really. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. It, literally because of the memes, basically. I mean, SpongeBob, even the show itself, like, memes aside, right? Yeah. It's just like, this is the, this is the life of millennials. Pretty much. <laughs> like, we're just hanging out with friends, working a shitty job. And then just quote SpongeBob at each other. That ha- I'm pretty sure the... Well, that's the... what happens in SpongeBob. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> What do you normally do when I'm done? Wait for you to get back, and then I start crying at work. That's uh, literally, literally your roommates. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Spon- Spon- SpongeBob is fantastic, yeah. and uh, it's very sad. We, we never, we never also, we also never said goodbye to Stan Lee when that happened. Um, oh yeah, we ended up skipping that. But uh, Stan Lee and Stephen Hillenberg, we we hope you're. Hanging out in heaven, knowing that you created uh, some of the biggest cultural uh, touchstones of our zeitgeist. And for those of you who uh, who have other beliefs, uh, you know that they they, uh, they left some memorable things. Yeah. Here on here in Meat Space. Meat Space. Yeah. Yes, Meat Space. The life. Oh. The, li- the living among the living things. And yeah. things that will forever live on, right? Like, I don't think Spider-Man is going anywhere. Nope. Unless they make a whole lot of shitty movies, then it might. 
Well, like the, the I mean, the, the, the deal with Mephisto didn't kill Spider-Man, nothing will. Right? Killed or Dr. the Clone Saga. I mean, Spider- it, it, Spider-Man lives on despite Spider-Man 3. I think it can live to yeah. him, too. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man 3, the Clone Saga, the deal with <laughs> Mephisto. I still don't understand how they got... Okay, Eddie Brock is a ripped, like, the opposite of Peter Parker. He's like a big dude. Let's get the nerdy, skinny guy from that 70s show as Eddie Brock. That's the perfect idea. I still can't... Look, Spider-Man 3 is just an abomination. Oh, of course. But I can't forgive Sony for, A, doing that to the character, and B, derailing that 70s show. Who cares? I the care. 70s show is bad. Well, it sucked after <laughs> Eric left. <It> sucks. <laughs> and you wanted to be my latex salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I finished but, that yeah. too, so I gotta find another show to binge. But I, 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 SpongeBob is just something that's like much closer to me than a than a lot of than comic books, to be honest. So, but just the yeah, I, I figure that they deserve the salute too. Um, so rest in peace, Stephen Hillenburg and Stanley. And uh, I hope I hope we don't learn that after you die that you were a really horrible, shitty person. Oh, both of them. Yes. I mean, Stephen Nillenberg was a marine biologist and not like uh, the sea was angry that day, my friends, type of marine biologist. He was like a real one. Like George Costanza? Like, not not George Costanza. Like. <laughs> it was a joke. I know. <laughs> Into the eye of the great fish. It's a mammal. Whatever. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Is anyone a marine biologist? <laughs> All right, I'm done. All right, so that, that's pretty much it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Nexus at Night. You can find me at Atlas Novak. Find me at Wiggins. Please feel free to quote Seinfeld at me. Thank you. Oh, yes, of course. Goes for me, too. You can find me at Plasma Eclipse. Don't actually follow me. I don't post anything on Twitter. I mean, it, it. it's for the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time, I was Atlas. I'm still Matt. And I'm Root Beer. Also, <laughs> the the new OTT starter is still Lodges Magus, not Semi-Lunar Magus, 0 out of 10. Tilt. They have it as, a, as an image rare, so that's cool, I guess. And have a good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.